Hallelujah. Are you ready? Are you ready? Praise God. Hallelujah. There's an answer for you tonight. And I'm going to preach something some of most of you have heard, but I don't want you to, I don't want you to tune out because there's an anointing and an impartation. If you'll just open up your heart and be hungry, praise God. Don't, don't, don't ignore the sermon, so to speak, ignore the subject matter, so to speak, in terms of, oh, I've heard that. I'll just go on my phone. I want you to pay attention because there's an anointing. I'm telling you, my God, I was praying today in my wet prayer closet. Does everybody know what that is? The staff don't like me saying that, but it's the truth. Praise God. <laughs> uh, cleanliness is next to godliness, which is why God lives in your shower. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, so I was next to God praying, uh, and uh, the Holy Ghost uh, had something else, and the Holy Ghost said, no, I want, you to talk, I want you to do this tonight. Now, when God says that, there has to be a special anointing to do it, because it doesn't, this message does not work without a certain kind of anointing. So uh, I, I, I said, Lord, well, if you want me to do that, then you're going to have to give me that anointing, that unique anointing, because I can't do it without that anointing. You know that. And he said, son, don't you worry. That anointing will be there. Praise God. And there's a, I'm learning. I'm, I'm, I'm still growing in a lot of things like we all are, but I'm learning the different kinds of anointings for different flows of different services. And the anointing is as vast and the anointing is the anointing. People just say the anointing and they put everything in a brown paper bag. The anointing is as vast as the Holy Ghost is. The anointing and the flows of God are as unique as he is. And, uh, and, and there's certain flows that you need in order to say certain things, and there's certain flows you need to say other things. But that anointing came on me, and I'm learning the difference between certain types of teaching anointings and other types of anointings. And I felt that come on me when Taylor was singing. And I said, my God, thank you, Jesus, because I know I can't preach this without that anointing. Hallelujah. Can't preach anything without the anointing, but I'm talking about I know I need a, I know it's a unique anointing. Praise God. And this is about Brother Norville Hayes. Well, let me tell you something, because God said something to me today that he had never said before. And he gave me an answer that I so appreciate, so appreciate. Dr. Norville Hayes came to Pastor Nancy's church a number of years ago after Dad went home. And he came, I don't know how many years, but he was there, what, four or five years. He was there every year, usually in the spring. I don't remember the first year that he was there, but it was a while ago, probably 15 or something like that, 14, 15. And, I, and the Lord said, I want you to go. Now, the Lord didn't tell me to go to any of the other meetings, but he said, I want you to go to that meeting. And so you got to be led by the Spirit. Just because there's a good preacher there doesn't mean you should go, especially if it's on the other side of the country and you're away from your family and everything. So Jenny and I made the arrangements and we went and Pastor Nancy, she's a single lady, as you know. Norval is an older man. He does not, he's not as mobile as he used to be. And so... Years later, they put him in a hotel, the subsequent years. But that first year, they had him in her home. And she said to me, because uh, a lot of the ministers didn't, didn't come. That's fine. That's between them and God. I'm not, whatever. Just God told me to go. He didn't maybe tell the other people to go. But he told me to go. And so I was one of the few in her group that were there. And she said to me, Pastor Craig and Jenny, would you mind staying in my house with me and with Do and Brother Norval so that you can just be there? I, you know, I'm a woman and he's a man. And of course, his wife was there too. She was older as well. She said it would just be easier and maybe just you can engage in conversation. You can help me. You can talk. So, you know, sometimes when there's more people, it's a little bit more, it's a little bit easier. Do you know what I'm saying? So that was a great privilege. And I said, of course, Pastor. So we were there and we go take him to the services. And Tony Jones was doing a lot of the, her, 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 her music director was doing a lot of the, you know, in and out of the car and all that kind of stuff. But I was there 
there and we'd do the service and then we'd go back and we'd talk to him at the house. And, and Norville is much slower than in years past, and he, and, but he's still a talkative, even though he was older. <laughs> Norville still likes to talk, uh, not just in the service, which would go for four hours, by the way, but even at home. He wasn't retired after that. He wanted, he'd keep talking. If you'd keep drawing on him, he'd keep talking. So we would talk to him in the room, in, the, in, the, in her kitchen, and, and we, you know, and she had it catered and stuff. And I would just, I just enjoyed getting to know him and asking him stories. And I, I grew up on the legend of Norville Hayes. I mean, I've heard story, I've heard him preach for years. So just to be able to, even though he's older and a bit slower, he's still the same man. He's still precious. He's still full of God. And, uh, and so I just enjoyed getting to know him, talking to him, asking him questions, not over the top because you don't want to tire him out, but, but enough to show that we were, have great respect for his office and for his flow. A lot of ministers have lost respect because he preaches longer than he did in his earlier years. And a lot of ministers that don't have honor uh, cast, throw the man out because maybe his delivery is not as smooth or as, as, as succinct as it was in years before. But there's, if, you, if you learn to not do that, you know, people can sit there for a three and a half hour baseball game, but they can't sit there for a three and a half hour sermon. I'm serious about that. So if you can, people can learn to just show honor where honors do, they'll get something from God. And I wasn't looking to get anything from God. I got something, but I didn't know I was going to get it. And until today, I didn't know what it was until God spoke to me today. He spoke to me today and told me what I got. I didn't know what I got because it didn't make sense to me, but I knew I got something. So I just honored him, loved him, was respectful to him, respectful to Pastor Nancy, just tried to know my place, just be a buffer, just be a talk, just be a help, just whatever I could do to make it comfortable and easy. And, and, and so we did that. Then the services are continuing. I can't remember. I think it was three or four services. And then we get to the last night. He preaches the last message. And we go in the back room, and uh, he's there with his little white hat on. You know, he wore that white hat toward the end. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and it was on the last night. We had to leave early the next morning to fly home. And, uh, and I said, Pastor, you ask permission. You got to understand, you have to get permission. You can't just act like you're the boss. I said, Pastor, do I have your permission to get him to bless me? And she said, yes. She said, Brother Norville, would you please bless this young man? He's been a blessing to me, and he's been with us this week. And so she kind of st stood up, and Debbie Simons kind of stood back a little bit. Jenny, you know, got the camera and started rolling it. I've got the footage of it. And he's so sweet, and he said, you know, he doesn't move much, but he said, just come here. So I came and I kind of moved my seat and I leaned forward and, and he was so kind. He was such, such a gentle person. And he said, Father, he said, I, I, I'm, I'm talking to you now about my new friend. And he said, I'm asking you to give him part of that anointing that is on my life. And he put his finger, just his finger, his index finger, he just touched me ever so lightly in my forehead. But I'm telling you, I've never, not with Dr. Defray, not any other human being in my life, this has never happened to me before or since. When he touched me, an electric bolt of lightning came out of his finger and shot through my head. And it, and it shocked me. I mean, it, he touched me so lightly, but something went into my head when he touched me. Tangible, physical. I mean, it felt like an electric current had gone through me. And I jolted like that. Like, as it scared, it actually scared me. I, I, didn't, I didn't expect that because he wasn't rough. He was so gentle and so 
soft-spoken, but the anointing went so strong into my head, like right through my head. I don't know how to explain that, but it went right through me. I don't know how to explain that. And, and, and you know, Jenny said, what happened? And I said, I told her what happened. And, and I told Pastor Nancy, and I just gave him a hug and was very gentle and said, you know, you know I don't know if it works for your schedule, but if it ever does, you know, we'll have you up in Canada. Didn't, it didn't work out, but, you know, we made that offer to him. Anyway, and so he, he, years pass, he passes on. I think it was last year. I can't remember exactly when it was. I think it was last year, 19, in one of the meetings, January or June. I can't remember that either. But Pastor Nancy got up and she started talking about Brother Norval Hayes. And she said, now, the Lord told her that there were certain, not everything, and when he's preached for 65, whatever, 55, I don't know how many years he preached, but a long, many decades he was a preacher. Not every message is going to you can't re-preach every message. Do you understand? But the Lord said to her, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, there were certain things that he brought into the earth that can't, that can't drop, that have to be re-preached. Because they're, they're deep revelation for the body of Christ, and God brought it through him into the earth. And not, not everything, of course, because there's too much volume, but there's certain things that God wants. It's like the way she said it is the assignment that was on him to say those things, part of that, not all of it obviously, but a measure of it had come on her, God had told her. Do you remember? Yes. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the gist of what she said, that there was an assignment to say certain things that he had brought into the earth and that needed to stay in the eyes, before the eyes of people and in the minds and hearts of people, and that it had to be re-preached, that if we let it go, it will be lost to this generation. And, but they will see it's not just somebody liking a sermon and preaching a sermon. It is, it's, you can do that, and that's fine, but it's more than that. It was God was assigning a certain message, messages, that he, had, uh, he was anointed, and because he's gone, he can't preach him because he's gone, that he was assigning that to her. Now, here's the kicker. Here's the very interesting part. The Lord told her that he did that for her because of her honor for him. That it wasn't, he could have, there lots of preachers that respected him over the years, Lots of people, a lot of people didn't show him any honor in the latter part of his years. And Pastor Nancy, I'm talking faithful, I'm talking large amounts of money, faithful in the offerings, uh, faithful in all that kind of stuff. And she was very generous and very kind. And, and her staff took great care of him and had him every year. And even though he, you know, he spoke longer than maybe most people were comfortable with, no, there was no complaints. There was nothing but honor. Nothing but honor. And I thought that was very interesting that because of that, the Lord said there's certain messages that I've brought through him that I'm going to, the assignment has transferred to you. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's the gist of what she said, that you are under an obligation from heaven to say certain things that he preached so that those messages don't fall to the ground, that they stay in this generation's ears and eyes, otherwise they'll be lost. So I thought when I heard that, I was sitting there when I heard that, I thought, my God, look at how God works. Here you are thinking that, oh Lord, I'm just doing the right thing and I'm just being honorable. I'm, you know, I'm not looking to get anything from it. I'm just doing the right thing. That's probably what she was thinking. And here God has already got, God's already got assignments and anointings and messages that he has laid up because of that honor to put on her life that he won't, he'll, anybody can preach any sermon and the sermons aren't copyrighted. But it's different when God puts an assignment on you and an anointing on you to preach that. That's different. That is beyond precious. That is, you can't buy that. That is, you can't fathom, you can't manipulate that. You can't try to conjure that. It's either God does it or he doesn't do it. And I learned something that he takes honor and high is very important with God. How you treat, especially older people. 
but especially ministers that in the natural may people may discard, but the way you treat them is very important to God because they're going to leave and that assignment has to stay. So I just said, well, praise God. I was so happy for Pastor Nancy. And I think she taught on worship uh, on that, on the, cause he wrote a book on worship. And she taught on that, and she taught on that, and it was magnificent, wonderful. I, I, still, I still think about those messages that he preached, and then that she, and not, that doesn't mean she's going to preach it every year, but every now and then, God will say, now there's an assignment on you. Now you have to re-preach that, because it's a message that God gave him that God is now asking her to not let die. And so a little while ago, I was praying, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to preach this message that you learned from Brother Norval Hayes. And there was an unusual anointing on me when I did that. And I thought, okay, well, that's interesting. I, I don't know if I'll do that again. And then today the Lord spoke to me and he said, you know, that anointing came into you when he touched you. He said, and you've often wondered what that anointing was. And I have, because he didn't say anything. He never said, this is an anointing for this, or this is an anointing for that. He was just general. He said, Lord, let something that is in my life come into his life. And, he, and that, that's all it was. He didn't specify anything, and God didn't speak to me, and God's never spoken to me until today. And I've wondered, Lord, that was such a dramatic manifestation. Naturally, what was that? What was that? Was it an anointing to preach for four and a half hours? Because I received that. Maybe I'll have Brother Copeland lay hands on me too, and then I'll do six hours. You add the two together. Two from Copeland, four from Norville makes six. Four plus two makes six. I'm very good at math. I said, Lord, was that that I was joking? I said, Lord, what was that? And he's never answered me. Not one day, not one day. And today he spoke to me. He said, you have wondered about what that anointing was. And he said, I'm going to tell you today what it was. I said, yes, sir. I'm all ears because I've wondered that for a number of years. He said, the anointing that came out of his finger into your being, into your body, was the anointing to preach this message. He said, you didn't understand it then because things take time to learn. Pastor Nancy hadn't preached this then because he was still alive. She only preached this last year. He said, but I imparted to you from him an anointing with an assignment for one particular message. That doesn't mean I can't preach others, and that doesn't mean I won't preach others from Norville, because I'm sure I will. But he said, there is something I've assigned to you. And I said, why would you pick me out of all the ministers? He said, because you showed him honor that week. He said, when all the other one, a lot of the other ones didn't have any time because of the long services. He said, you went and you never complained. And I didn't complain. I had ministers texting me, mocking him while he was preaching on my phone. And I won't tell you who, because you'd be shocked. All of you know some of those names. Mocking him, mocking how long he was preaching and how, how desperately tired the people looked on my phone in the mid talk about audacity. And I just said, Lord, I, I'm not, that's not me. I'm not going to judge them. That's between them and you, but that's not me. I'm not going to mock. I'm not going to make fun. I know this is long and my butt is hurting. I'll be honest with you. And I had to stand a few times and go to the bathroom and try to get the blood flowing and do some jumping jacks, right, sweetheart, and do some stretches. I had to do some stretches and come back and sit for another 45 minutes, then get up and go and get the blood flowing. But I said, I'm not going to mock. I'm here to receive something. And of course, he shared many things in those messages that really, really blessed me. And, you know, he'll go, 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 go. And then he'll, hit you. he'll say one sentence and it's like a sledgehammer hits you. And then, and then you just, 
it takes you an hour just to recover from that sedgehammer while he's talking about, I don't know what he's talking about. And then you'll say another statement and it just nails you right to the floor. So, but I, I went through that and that, that was an act of honor. I said, Lord, why would you, it's not the same as Pastor Nancy. I believe there's multiple messages that God wants her to preach. And maybe there's more than one for me. I don't know. But all, he, all I know as of this date today, he said, there is a message. There is an assignment that I've given you to hold up and to not let fall. Keep it before this generation. He said, it's because the honor you should, if I hadn't have gone that week, I would not have got this assignment. That's why it's so important you go when God tells you to go somewhere that you obey him. Even if you can't figure out why, and even if the natural, it doesn't make sense. And even if you're tired, and even if you're annoyed, and even if your flesh is bothered, if God tells you to do something, do it. If I hadn't have obeyed, I would not have received that. And all these years, I've wondered what that anointing impartation was. And the Lord said, I was imparting to you from that anointing on his life came into you for this particular message. And I gave it to you because of the honor. And, and, And even though Pastor Nancy talked about it last year and you were happy for her, I'm telling you that you have a measure, a smaller measure, obviously, than her. But there's a measure that I've given you for this because you've loved him and you've watched him and you've followed him all your life, which I have. And you showed him honor at the very end where a lot of other people were making fun of him. So I'm going to give you an anointing. I've given you that anointing. That's what happened when you laid hands on me. And, and because of your honor, I, when I tell you, don't preach it unless I tell you. That's what he said to me. He said that to me today. So, and he's never said that to me either. I thought I could just preach whatever I want, whenever I want. But he said at this particular message, he said, don't want you to preach it until I tell you. Because it's, it takes, there's a different kind of anointing on this message that, that is not on other messages. And you don't preach it unless I tell you to. I said, you're telling me tonight? I get to do that tonight? Are you kidding me? Ever gone to Canada's Wonderland and there's a sense of excitement because you're going to ride the beast? And then you're going to eat a funnel cake. And then you're going to ride the beast again, throw up. And then eat another funnel cake. You know that sense of excitement that you get? I've, I'm not riding the beast or the or behemoth or whatever you call that demonic roller coaster, which I've been on many times, by the way. And my son loves it and I don't, but I do it because I love him. Uh, but I'm not talking about that sense of excitement. But I said, Lord, you want that tonight? You're telling me this about tonight? He said, yes. So I'm going to share with you what I preached before, but I'm telling you that's important. And there are people tonight and there are people watching that if you, I can't lay hands on you, but if you will open up your heart, I believe with all my heart that God is going to pour a revelation into you tonight. Maybe you already have it, but it needs to be strengthened. It needs to be added to. It needs to be reinforced. Maybe some of you don't have it at all. And this is the first time that a pillar is going to be poured into you. But if you will open up your heart and not concentrate and not focus on any other thing, but garner your mind, you have a right to control your mind. This generation, honestly, I don't understand. It's like everybody is so uh, haphazard in their they can get distracted so easily, especially young people today. I think it's all the electronics. It messes with something in your head because people get so distracted, they can't concentrate on things anymore. Seriously. It's one of the reasons that they're starting to make movies to be a little bit shorter. Used to be over two hours, all the movies. Now they're all an hour and a half to two hours. Why do you think they do that? Because people can't even, their attention span can't hold with a movie anymore. Because they're all, and so you, but you can control your mind and you can control your thoughts and you can tell your body to shut up and you can tell your mind to be alert because your spirit man wants it. Even if your body, you've had a long day, long week, but I'm telling you, this is an important message for not just you, but I believe that internationally there's times where God is going to say you preach that because that kind of thing is not limited to a local church. It has to, it has to get out. And so the message tonight is entitled, You're the Head of Your House. 
I'm telling you, I'm telling you something about it. <laughs> you are the head of your house. Heavenly Father, I thank you for that precious, beautiful anointing of the Holy Spirit and your beautiful word, Heavenly Father. And Lord, I'm going to tell them a story tonight because this message is one story. And there's scripture verses that are, that are peppered throughout the story. But Lord, if they would listen to the story, I believe that there's something will come into them to help them tonight. Father, you desire us all, everyone, including myself, every single one of us, every one of us, including me, need to receive more revelation from this story. This is more than a story. This was a man's supernatural experience when he went to heaven. And it wasn't just, it, he experienced it, but it wasn't for him only. It was for the body of Christ. Just like every time that Jesus appeared to Dad Hagen, it wasn't just for his selfish purposes. It was for him, yes, but it was for the body of Christ. We all learned from those experiences. And I believe that this experience that Brother Norval had going to heaven, I believe, Father, that there's something in it for us that we need to listen and open our hearts and really say, Father, give me more. I want to understand more. I want to understand, I want more revelation on this. I want more anointing and power regarding this. And I want my life, I want to see things in my life practically, tangibly, and naturally change because of this revelation that you've given me, Father. Lord, if they'll ask you for that, if they're hungry for that, they'll get it. If they're not, they won't, but if they are, they will. And we don't come to church, Father, just to watch a show. We come to receive and we come to respond. And I thank you that they will do both tonight. They will receive and they will respond to the word that is preached. And then they'll go out and they'll live it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So let me start by saying, let me start the story. I'm not going to look at my notes much, but I have notes in case sometimes there's quotes that I want to say, you know, exactly, uh, exactly the way that he said them. A lot of times with stories, you hear a minister say a story and it goes, it goes a certain way. And then you, and then you hear in another church, another time, another year, preach the same story and there'll be other things added that weren't in the first time he told the story. Because sometimes you don't give all the details in one telling of the story. And sometimes they forget. <laughs> and then God reminds them of a detail and they'll add it later. And so I have listened to multiple times that he preached this same story, the same message called you're the head of your house. I've heard multiple times he preached this and I've taken notes on multiple times he preached it. And so what I'm giving you is a compilation. You may not be able to look it up and hear all of this in one sermon, but if you listen to all of them, you'll hear at some point in time, you'll hear him talk about these things because he didn't say it in every time he shared this. But this is a compilation. So I've done homework for you. I've done homework and I've worked out word for word what he said. I'm a very, I'm a stickler for that. I don't want to, uh, even if it's not proper English, I still write out word for word what the man said so that I can give it to you pure. You understand? Without my hint, without a tinge of my personality coming through. I want you to hear what he went through. And so his daughter, his daughter's name was Zona. If you remember, Zona had 12 growths on her body. And Dr. Lowe cut those growths off. And a few months later, they came back. But instead of being 12 growths, there were 42 growths. And the growth started to open, crack, and bleed. And this is a teenage girl, and she, you know, you don't want your skin. Nobody wants your skin, but especially a teenage girl that wants to look pretty for the boys. And they're on her legs, and they're on her arms, and they're on her stomach and her back. And she would count them. Norval would say she would count them every day. She'd count 42 growths on her body. They were cracked. Some were bigger than others, but they were cracked. They were bleeding. 
and they were hideously ugly, and they, she was gro very embarrassed of them. And so uh, Dad Hagen came to visit in Norville's house in Tennessee. And Dad Hagen came to visit, and as they were sitting at the table, she said to Dad Hagen, Dad Hagen, would you please tell Daddy to let me go to Dr. Lowe and let him cut these growths off like he did before? Would you please tell my daddy? Because my daddy won't, won't take me to the doctor. And, he, and, and she says, because he says he's believing for a miracle. But I don't see any miracle. And I want him to take me back to Dr. Lowe. And Dad Hagen looked at her and said, in passing, he didn't, he didn't intend for Norval to hear it or not hear it. it just, she, he was just kind of answering her in passing. And he said, Zona, I can make those growths leave you. And that, Norval's in the kitchen. Remember, he's a bachelor. He's in the kitchen cooking. <laughs> can you picture Norval Hayes cooking dinner? I can't, Lorraine. But apparently he did a lot. He's in there cooking for his teenage daughter and for Kenneth e. Hagen, who's in the kitchen. And he hears, overhears Dad Hagen say that phrase, oh, Zona, I can make those growths leave you. And he thought to himself, why would he say that? How could he make the growths leave her? He's not a doctor. He can't cut them off. Why would he say such a thing? He can make the growths leave her. I need to talk to him about that. I need to ask him what he meant about that. But the evening continues and it slipped his mind. And then uh, very, it was later that night, uh, uh, very late that night, past midnight, Dad Hagen knocks on his door and says, Brother Norville, Jesus just spoke to me. I've been praying in the Holy Ghost for two hours. See, that was his life. Some of you pray two hours and you think you're about to be raptured. But that's just what Dad Hagen did. He said, I've been, I've been in the bedroom praying for two hours in tongues and Jesus spoke to me and told me, leave early in the morning and go quickly to Dallas to say goodbye to your sister before she dies. When you get there, do not pray for her, for I will not heal her. Why, Lord, do you not want to heal her? Because I healed her five years ago, and I told her that she had to strengthen her faith by listening to your radio broadcast for 15 minutes a day. And while she started strong, she got distracted, and she cast off, and she stopped listening to your radio broadcast, and she stopped building her faith. And now five years later, that thing has come back on her, but she's got no faith to resist it. I already healed her once. I'm not healing her again. Go and tell her that she will die, but she'd come home and be with me. Now, some people struggle over that kind of statement because you think Jesus is just, you got a wrong perception of Jesus. You just think that he's the, yes, he's merciful. And yes, he'll do things for people, but he, 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 he's not a pushover either. And when Jesus gives you an opportunity to build your faith and you get lazy, you better watch out. Because if anybody was going to get a pass, it would be Kenneth E. Hagan. If anybody was going to convince Jesus, be merciful, look at my faithfulness, I'm your man, I'm the forerunner of the last day great revival. If anybody's going to get a pass for somebody to get a healing that doesn't deserve it, quote unquote, because they've been lazy, Kenneth Hagin could convince Jesus if anybody could. And Jesus said, don't talk to me about it. I'm not healing her. So I'm telling you, there are a lot of little nuggets. You better pay attention. Long before the sickness comes, especially if you've been healed of something, if you've been delivered of something, you better stay in the word and you better stay washing your mind with the word and renewing your mind and building your faith and strengthening your believing. You better do it because when that thing comes, if you've been lazy, don't, Jesus might do it a second time for you, but he might not. I know that sounds mean, but a lot of people got this wrong, a wrong thought about Jesus and they just think that he'll just do whatever they say whenever they say it. And that is not scriptural. 
He is very merciful. He is very kind. And he knows our individual situations and circumstances. And in some cases, he will help and do it even a second time. I know stories where he's done it a second time. So it's not like it's a rule that once he heals you once, he'll never heal you again. But he looks at the individual situation. He looks at who the person is, how many opportunities they've had, what kind of word is made available to them. Because some people don't have any word available to them. They've never even heard this before. He looks, he, God is perfect. He's the, ju- God, the judge of all the earth. The Bible says we'll do what is right. He judges the whole scenario. He looks at everything that not every human being can see. He looks at the invisible, the visible, everything, the history, the personality, everything. And he then makes a judgment call based on, am I going to do this again or not? And in that case, that lady had an opportunity that she rejected. And Jesus said, that's enough. So that, not, not everybody shouts that, but, 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 but I shout because I want to know how Jesus works. I want to know the things of the spirit more than I want to feel good because if I learn the things of the spirit. I'll end up feeling good. Even if I don't feel good right at the moment, I'll end up feeling good because I learn how God works. So he left, he woke him up late at night. I'm leaving early. You won't see me when I go. I'm going real early because I got to drive from Tennessee to Dallas, Texas. I'm going to leave real early and Norville's half asleep. So he doesn't think to ask him. He meant to ask him about that statement, but then he goes in the morning when he wakes up and then Hagen's gone. And that, that statement is coming back to him. Oh, no, I call, I, I'll make those gross leave. You don't worry. And he said, Lord, I don't understand why he'd say that. And then the, it dawned on him. If Dad Hagen said it, it's true because he trusted him. And it dawned on him. If Dad Hagen could explain it to me, but he's gone. They did this before the years of cell phones. You can just pick up your phone and call him in the car and say, Brother Hagen, you know, th- th- there was no such thing as a cell phone. Do you understand? And he wanted to know now. He don't want to wait. He dawned on him and he thought, well, if God could, if Brother Hagin could explain it to me and I've got the Holy Ghost, why can't God explain it to me? But now he's troubled with a thought. The thought is, Blair, for the last five years, Brother Norval Hayes has been praying a prayer for healing for his daughter. Because the thing with Dr. Lowe happened five years ago. And those 42 growths have been there for five years. And over the five years, they got bigger, not smaller. And this, I'm quoting what he said. He said, I would pray good Pentecostal prayers. Let me, let me quote exactly. Good Pentecostal type prayers. Asking God to heal my daughter. I'm trying to help you. When you pray a good religious sounding prayer, asking God to heal you, God don't hear your prayer because it's unscriptural. It is not scriptural to ask God to heal you. That's right. And this is where, listen, half the, half the religious word Tory don't even believe that God wants to heal you. Yeah, and then the other heart power believes that God does want to heal you, but it's up to him. And very few people have understand this revelation. If you understand this revelation, you'll be healed every time. The problem is that good Pentecostal type folk or any denomination for that matter, they don't understand this revelation. So there's still, the onus is God. The onus is God. It's on God's side. God, please would you come to my house and heal my daughter. God, please would you do something for me. And that's unscriptural. It sounds correct, Beverly, but it's not correct. Because while, this is, this is where people miss it. While you cannot manifest the healing, 
God is the one that has to come supernaturally and take those growths away and make baby skin. That is supernatural. God has to do that part. So people, because God, people know, God, I can't heal 42 growths. I have to ask God to heal the growths. That's where they stumble. Because it's, it's not semantics. You've got to understand it sounds right, but it's not right. Your job is not to ask God to do something. But you see, when people, they don't, they don't concentrate and they don't really realize what they're praying. I, I, my job is not to ask God to heal me because Jesus already took my sicknesses and diseases on the cross when he died. So I don't have to ask him to heal me. Do you understand? Healing is the, uh, the origin word. I don't have to ask him to heal me because he's already healed me. The problem is my body doesn't have the manifestation of that healing. But when you ask him to heal you, you're asking him to do something that he can't do because he's already done it. You've got to understand that concept. Now what you're really saying is, Lord, I receive what you've done. Now I'm asking you and I thank you that your power will now come and manifest what you've done. And I don't know when you're going to do that, but I know that you're going to do it because that's what faith is all about. But you see, they never get to the point of asking God to manifest what he's done because they're still begging him to do it. And then they say, well, you're just playing semantics with me. It doesn't really matter whether I'm asking God to do it or whether I'm asking God to manifest it. It's the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. You don't ask God to do something he's done. He's already done it. If you get diagnosed with cancer, Jenny got diagnosed with, with, with a lump in her breast, which we knew was breast cancer, and it was getting bigger every month, and the pain started a little bit, little bit, and then it was starting to shoot down almost to her knees. I mean, I'm looking at that thing, and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and I'm starting to sweat, I'll be honest with you, because she won't go to the doctor. She won't go to Dr. Dufresne, who has an anointing to kill cancer. And she said, I've been feeding on Dad Hagen since I was 11 years old. If this don't work, I'll die. I said, no, you won't. You're not going to die. I've got four kids. I'm not raising these rascals alone. And I don't want you to die. I love you, you stupid thing. Then she'd slap me and I'd slap her and it just went downhill from there. I said, listen to me. You can, please, just get the help. But man, my God, my, 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 my daughter, my wife has got such a tenacity of faith. I'm telling you about her. You, you've never seen her when things will get rough. You don't want to see her when things get rough. She'll run you over and she'll ask questions how you're feeling later. She's just that kind of a person. She said, I'd rather die. I said, I don't want you to die. She said, I will go into the ground if this doesn't work. And you can read at my funeral that this didn't work. She said, it will work or I'll die. I mean, when, when you got somebody like that, you don't argue with them. I just said, I'm standing with you, honey. I'm standing with you. Plus, she had problems with her hip sockets, like glass in her socket. She couldn't put her shoes on, couldn't roll over in bed. For over a year and a half, I'd hear her crying as she tried to put her shoes on. I'd have to put her shoes on for her. When she's in the middle of the night, I'd hear her say, Craig, Craig, wake up. I'd say, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Turn me over. Turn me over. I can't turn over because the pain was so bad. See, we're pastoring a church while that's happening. And I'm not whining and calling the prayer tower. Do you understand? I'm living with it. I'm living with a wife who's got breast cancer that's growing by the day and who said, I'll go into the ground before I'll quit on this. 
and I've got a wife that I have to put her shoes on because she is in that much agony she can, she can hardly bend or twist. You didn't notice, but when she came, she would sit down real slow and ginger. People don't even notice because she got so skillful at doing it, grimacing in pain. She didn't want anybody to know what she was going through. But she said to me, this will work. I said, Jenny, she said, this will work. She said, I'll give my life for this. I believe this will work. I've been feeding on it since I was 11. It must work. Jesus has taken it on that cross. I'm not asking him for healing. And I heard her one day. I was upstairs. She's on that little bench trying to get her shoes on. Can't get her shoes on. And I heard a roar come out of her. My God, I'm telling you. I heard it in the bedroom like she was standing in front of me. She screamed that loud. And she said, Father, I'm not asking you to heal me. She yelled, man. And she, then I heard the next statement. And devil, this has got nothing to do with you. This is between me and my father. She said, Father, I'm not asking you. I'm not begging you. And I'm not pleading with you. I receive what you've done. And I claim that you will manifest it for me. Do you see the difference? I'm not asking and pleading the good Pentecostal prayer. Oh, God, please heal me. Oh, God, come to my house and heal my daughter. God, don't answer those prayers because they're unscriptural. He's already gone to the cross. He doesn't need to come to your house. He's gone to the cross and he took the growths on the cross. You're struggling with demons and torment in your mind. He went to the cross and he crushed the devil's head. He has taken every sickness, every torment, every mental instability, every sexual violation, everything that is perverse and gross and vile, every sin, every heartbrokenness. He took it and he hung there on a cross with that on him. He hung there. He took it. How dare, how dare a Christian have the audacity to say, please heal me when he bore it on that tree. I'm telling you it's wrong to pray that way. And that's why those prayers don't get answered. That's why he prayed for five years. No answer. He prayed the good sounding religious Pentecostal type prayer. Oh God, please heal my daughter. Sounds real spiritual, doesn't it? But it's not God's prayer. It's not Bible prayer. What he, he was missing this. He's asking God to do something that he already did. God has to go silent to those prayers. What he needed to do is lay hold. What he needed to do is receive by faith without feeling it and without seeing the manifestation of it. Laying hold, taking, grabbing it by faith saying, you did it. I don't need you to come to my house and do it. You did it. Now I take by faith without feeling it. I take it. I take what you did and I receive it in Jesus' name. That's the key. That's faith. Now, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it. And you shall have it. Why? Because God's power will now get on the scene and manifest what you've received. Because you received it in the faith invisible realm, then his power will come because you can't do that side. That's where people stumble. They think by asking God to heal him, they're asking God to manifest the healing, but that's not the same thing. 
Don't ask God to heal you because he already healed you. Receive what he gave you by faith, invisibly, without being able to see it or feel it. Take it by faith and then say, now, Father, that I've reached out and I've taken what you bore on that cross. I have it by faith. I know my faith is the evidence and the substance of what I cannot yet see. I know I've got it. I know I've got it. I know, I know faith has it. I know I've got it. Now, Father, I call upon that name. Now that I've got it by faith, now let your power come. Now come to my house. Bring that power and manifest in the natural world what I've received in the realm of the Spirit. And God will always show up. But you don't show up with the first kind of nonsense prayer. And my wife knew that. She said, I'm not trying to get healed. <laughs> I'll never forget that statement. I'm not asking you to heal me. I'm not trying to get healed. I believe that I am healed and I'm calling on you to manifest it for me. And if you don't, I'll go in the ground because I'm not going to no doctor. You're going to do it for me or I'll die. I'm not telling you to be that way. I'm telling you she was that way. But if you've been meditating on something since you were 11 years old, you can get to the point where you'd rather die if it don't work. But don't do that unless you know where you're at in faith because some people do die. Because they're in presumption, they're not in faith. And you know the story. I'm talking about David and Goliath. She's sitting right there and she hears a voice, an audible voice on the outside saying, this Goliath, this, this David, David beat Goliath, but you're not going to beat this Goliath. He's talking about that cancer. This will kill you. And she heard, she just heard that voice. Before she could answer it, she heard another voice, which was the Holy Ghost. The devil and the Holy Ghost were talking. And the Holy Ghost answered the devil on her behalf. Now don't take that as a doctrine because you've got to answer. She was about to answer, but God intervened because she had been answering for a year and a half. She heard the Holy Ghost say, that's not true. The Goliath fell with David and the Goliath will fall with Jennifer. And that voice spoke up, no, that's, this is too big. And the, that voice answered, no, I said the same anointing that could kill the lion and the bear will kill the Goliath. And Jenny had to now, who is she going to agree with? This was the critical moment. If she had chosen wrong, she would be buried in the ground today. Are you listening to me? She decided to agree with the Holy Ghost. And she said in her heart, she didn't even say it out loud because she's in the middle of a sermon. I'm preaching. And she said, I agree, Father. In her heart, she said out of her whispering, I agree. The same anointing that killed the lion and the bear. In other words, the same anointing that kills the, uh, the headache and kills the wart. Do you understand? Yes. The lesser things, that same anointing will kill this. Yes. And I believe, I, and she said there was like a hot thing that came from her head. Like honey went down, down, and down, and down. I've been putting up with this for so long with her. I've heard, I've, it breaks my heart to see what she went through. And that, that, anointing, that, that anointing came on her, but it didn't, she didn't see the manifestation, but she woke up, I believe it was the next morning, either that next morning or two mornings, I forget. But it was one or two mornings later, and she touched, and it was gone. And then a short while later, she woke up one morning, she couldn't turn over the night before, and she woke up the next morning, and all that stuff, I don't know where it went. But she woke up one morning, and it was gone. And she jumped out of bed and she started moving and bending. And she said, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. But when she cried out and she said, I'm not asking you to heal me. 
This has nothing to do with you, devil. I've already bound you. This is between me and my father, and I receive, I, I receive it by faith, and I'm waiting on your manifestation, and you will do it or I'll die. When that happened, it was just a week or so after that that I preached that sermon, and that honey came down over her, and she was healed. I'm telling you. I'm telling you about it. That stuff changed your life. Don't ever tell me that you're hopeless. Don't ever tell me that you've got a, a, a disease that there is no hopeless case with God. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith will do it every time. I don't care what the problem is. Faith will even raise somebody that's died. And then heal them and raise them up whole. Faith can do the impossible. That's why Jesus said, don't be afraid. Only believe all things are possible if you only believe. In other words, if you've got faith, nothing shall be impossible unto you. You will say unto the sycamine tree, be uprooted and planted over there and it shall obey you. Amen. If you've got faith. Amen. How do you get faith? You get the revelation of the word burning in you. So Norval is making this wrong but nice sounding Pentecostal type prayer for five long years. God, please heal my daughter. God, come to my house and heal my daughter. Lord, I need a miracle. Lord, I need a miracle. You can need a miracle and God not come into your house. Are you listening to me? I'm trying to help you. You can need a miracle, but God won't show up because of your need. God is not moved by need. There were lots of people in need when Jesus walked, but only the people of faith got answers. There were lots of blind men, but only one Bartimaeus. There were lots of people with the issue of blood, I bet, but only one lady that pressed through. God doesn't go by need. He goes by faith. Do you understand? You got to understand this. He's not moved by your need. Norval had a need. God was not impressed. He feels compassion. He loves us, but he cannot respond except with faith. It's a law that he has instituted in the universe and it works every time. So don't pray stupid Pentecostal type prayers because they're not going to ever get your answer. You'll pray them for 10 years and you'll stay the same way you were before. Are you with me? But see, Dad Hagen taught this, but Norval hadn't been around Dad Hagen long enough to catch this revelation. Now he heard faith come out of his mouth when he heard him say, I can make those gross leave you. See, that was faith. But he was intrigued because his spirit responded to those words. But he didn't have time to get the answer. What does that word mean? And then he's gone. But he says, well, Holy Ghost can show me. I've got the same Holy Ghost that he does. So he started. Now, he's been praying for five years. So what does he start to do? He starts, and I'll quote it to you. <laughs> he starts saying this. For three weeks in a row, he starts to, he start, he's been praying five years. Dad Hagen comes and messes his doctrine up. Leaves without answering him. So for three weeks after Dad Hagen goes, for three weeks, he says this, he starts to, many times a day, many, many times a day, repeatedly, dozens of times throughout the day, he starts saying, Jesus, I want to know the truth. In other words, I obviously don't know the truth because my truth ain't working for me. And Dad Hagen's talking about something I don't know what he's talking about, but you know what he's talking about because he's a man of God and I don't believe he's lying to me. I want to know the truth. Why are there these growths on my daughter's body and I can't get you to make them leave? You see, that's still the wrong prayer. I can't get you to make them leave. You say, that's the wrong kind of prayer, but he doesn't know any better. See, even if you're not praying right, if you're sincere and intense enough, God will answer you just because of your persistence. Remember that, man, that woman that knocked on the unjust judge door? And just persistence got her an answer. God's not unjust, but if you'll just be persistent, even if your doctrine's wrong, God will get things over to you. Just because you don't quit 
David Hogan doesn't have doctrine right on everything, but he just, that boy just got no sense. He will fast until he dies, and God knows that he is that, that he's that stubborn. And God will answer him, not because his doctrine's perfect, but because his heart's right. Yes. Now, we want our doctrine right and our heart right. Yes. But many people don't have their doctrine right, and I'm telling you, there's always good news. If you'll cry out to God with all your heart, even if you're praying the wrong kind of prayer, God will answer you. He won't answer the problem. He'll answer you and teach you how to pray. Then he'll answer the problem because of faith. Do you understand? So he's praying, crying out, Lord Jesus, I want to know the truth. Jesus, I need you to come to my house and give my daughter a miracle. He's still praying the wrong prayer, Gloria, but now he's shouting. Do you hear what I said? He's still praying the wrong prayer, but the decibel level has risen and the desperation has grown. After three weeks, he doesn't get one answer. Why? Because he's still praying the wrong prayer. But he's more desperate, so God's going to honor the desperation and teach him how to pray right. You understand? So what does he do? Nothing happens for three weeks. So after three weeks, now this is, this is where people need to catch it, Rosita, because most Christians are weak, willied, little, I don't know what they are. They give up too quick. He, after three weeks of crying out and yelling and God still not answering because he's still praying wrong, he starts to glide down on the floor and beat the floor with his fist. And he would beat the floor with his fist and say, Jesus! And I'm, I'm telling you how he said it. He now goes from a shout to a cry to a, like, like a heart-wrenching cry. Jesus, I want to know the truth. I have a right to know the truth. I'm your son, and I have a right to know the truth. Heaven has the truth, and I want it. I'm not quitting. Jesus, I want to know the truth. Why won't you come and heal my daughter? I want to know the truth. And he did that. See, most Christians will quit. Let's go to Dr. Lowe. But God likes it when he finds somebody that don't quit. Let me give you a normal quote. God does not honor silent faith. Faith must have a voice, and faith must have an action. See, he had a voice, and he was walking that floor and beating that ground. That was his action. One day, he did that for three weeks. Okay, five years praying, three weeks yelling, and another, another three weeks desperately beating the floor. And after about three weeks of doing that, he was walking across the room in his house and he stepped from one step to the next, he stepped into a white cloud. Now what had happened is he had a trance. His body was frozen and like a paralytic state. He was paralyzed, not paralyzed, that's the wrong word, but he was just, his, his, all his bodily functions stopped operating. He was suspended and his spirit left and stepped into that place. And his body stayed. Now, now w w Maria Woodworth Edder would have these experiences in the revival. She'd preach and God would freeze her like this for three days. She wouldn't blink. She wouldn't do anything. She wouldn't eat. She wouldn't drink. And then and people would file by from the neighborhood to come and watch this phenomenon of the woman that is frozen. But it was under the anointing. She was having a trance. Peter had a trance on the rooftop. And then after three days, she'd come out of it and not have any sense, not even know the time had passed. Isn't that amazing? So he stepped into a white cloud and he had a trance. His natural senses were suspended and his spirit went to heaven. And when he went to heaven, let me tell you what he said. 
He said, I, I, was, I was afraid, not, not, not fear, there's no fear with God, but listen to what he said. He said, I was afraid because of the utter completion of truth. He said everything was truth. He said truth reigned supreme. See, with God in heaven, there's no lies. There's no darkness. There's no gray particle. It's nothing but pure perfection. And he stepped into where God lives. And he said, I was afraid because of the purity of absolute truth. He said it was so pure and it was so clean. Truth reigned supreme. There was nothing but truth. No darkness, no fear, no doubt, no lies. Just truth, pure faith, pure purity, pure light, pure power, and pure love. The perfection of all that God is in an atmosphere. Can you imagine what that must feel like? Because all we feel is demons and darkness down here. You don't even realize, even when you're in the presence of God, you're still in an atmosphere that is saturated by darkness. And when you get up to heaven, none of us know what that feels like unless you've been where he went. But we're all going to know what it feels like one day. And he said, he heard, are you listening? He heard a male voice, a loud, strong male voice, which was God the Father speaking to him. He heard a, a male voice, slow, strong, and loud, saying these words, how long are you going to stumble around in darkness? Stumble around in darkness. Five years of praying a good Pentecostal prayer, God's only response to that was, you've been stumbling around in darkness for five years. So before you get thinking that you're so great and so spiritual, let's make sure that your prayers match what God wants you to be praying. Because he called five years of good praying, stumbling around in darkness. Then he called three weeks of yelling, stumbling around in darkness. Then he called three weeks of beating his fist on the floor, stumbling around in darkness. And God in his mercy was so, has so much compassion, he sees the boy stumbling around in darkness. But because he won't quit, because he won't quit, God finally says, I can't heal the girl the way he's talking. It doesn't matter how much he yells and pounds the floor. He's wrong. But this boy's got something wrong with him. He won't quit. So I'm going to have to bring him up here so I can teach him how to pray. So shoo, there he goes. I'm telling you. See, God still couldn't heal Zona with those prayers, no matter how much he pounded the floor. But God could teach him how to pray, which would release his power. Are you with me? The voice continued. How long are you going to put up with those growths on your daughter's body? How long are you going to put up with those growths on your daughter's body? <laughs> Norval reminisces and says, can you imagine praying for something for five years and six weeks and then somebody asks you how long you're going to put up with it? He whimpered. When God talks to you like that and you're in a pure, perfect atmosphere, there's no arrogance. There's no defend myself. There is bite the ground and answer quietly. And he whimpered, I don't know, Jesus. I don't know what you mean, Jesus. I don't have them. I don't have them, Jesus. They're not on me, Jesus. I'm not really putting up with them, Jesus. I don't have them. My daughter has them on her body. She's putting up with them. See, he's hearing the statement, how long are you going to put up with those growths on your daughter's body? And he's trying to say, but I'm not putting up with them because they're not on my body. She's putting up with them because they're on her body. Why are you yelling at me because they're on her body? It's got nothing to do with me. Do you understand his logic? That's what he's thinking. And he said, I was trembling because of the atmosphere of pure truth. 
He said again, quietly, afraid. Lord, I'm not putting up with them. They're not on me. They're on my daughter, Jesus. She's putting up with them, not me. I'm not putting up with them, Jesus. They're on my daughter. They're on my daughter, Jesus. I'm not putting up with them. She's putting up with them. And he interrupted her with, God don't like stupid talking. Not when he invites you into his place, wherever. I don't know if that was a throne room or what it was, but God was there. He couldn't see anything but white. But he could hear that voice. I'm not putting up with them, Jesus. She's putting up with them. They're on my body. They're on her body. And Jesus interrupted her and said, you're the head of your house. And he yelled. Oh, my God. <laughs> and when he yelled, lightning struck in heaven. <laughs> in other words, I mean, Norval is the only guy in the, in the history of the world that has ticked God off so much that he had to strike lightning when he talked to him. I mean, when he yelled that statement, lightning struck in heaven. I didn't even know there was lightning in heaven, but apparently there is. Well, the Bible says that around God's throne is lightnings. So I guess there are lightnings in heaven because it says it in Revelations. You're the head of your house. Lord Jesus, they're not on me, Jesus. They're not on me. They're on her. You're the head of your house. Man. He continued. Norval's not saying anything after that. What are you putting up with those growths in your house for? They're not from heaven. You belong to heaven. How long are you going to put up with those growths on your daughter's body? You're the boss of your house. Do you see it? Lightning struck again. God can get upset with your stupidity, Norval said. You can be faith in one issue and stupid on another issue. But he loves you so much that if you persist, he'll get it over to you. You don't have to go to heaven. I'm telling you the answer. Nobody was telling him the answer. That's why he had to pound his thing for six weeks. But I'm telling you, you don't have to do that because you're getting an answer. Then he, he saw it. Revelation came. Yes, sir. I see, sir. I know I'm the head of my house. I see it. I see it. You're telling me I'm putting up with those gross, not her. They're on her body, but I'm putting up with it because I have authority. I see it now. You see, he was thinking God was just blaming him for something that was his daughter's issue, but God wasn't trying to blame anybody. God was trying to say, you have authority over your daughter because you have authority in your house. Please, are you listening to me? You have authority in your house. You have authority over your temple, which is your body, which is your house. And you have authority over the physical ground that you own, that you reside in. You have authority in that house. No devil has a right to come and oppress you in that house. No sickness has a right to enter that house. No demon spirit has a right to assault you in that house. No gross have a right to be on your body or on your children's body or on your dog. And I don't like that dog much. Well, I do but I won't admit it. I don't like that dog much, but he had a problem with his back right leg and I took him to the doctor and the doctor said, this is medically impossible. You need surgery. If you don't, we will amputate it. And I got back and I was counting my money because it was going to cost $4,700. The dog don't even cost $4,700. I could throw him out and buy two more. Jenny said he's part of the family. He's not no part of no family that I'm aware of. Don't tell me he's a part of the family. $4,700 is what's a part of my family. Not that thing. That thing can leave. The $4,700 got to stay. And as I'm contemplating, no, seriously, I contemplated the lethal injection or the $4,700 because that's, you know, anyway. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, you're the head of your house. It didn't even cross my mind. 
For a dog? I heard him say, you're the head of your house. What you say in your house, I will, fall, I will, I will manifest. I walked right in there. I said, woman, God is with me. Come here. This dog's part of the family. I told you he's part of the family. <laughs> I did. I actually said that. I turned it on her and made it sound like she was trying to kill the dog. And she came there, and I mean, I'm talking like you've never heard, and you've never heard noise like that dog. I mean, it was heartbreaking. He couldn't walk. He couldn't move. He couldn't go to the bathroom. He couldn't do anything. He could, and, he, and, and you touched him. He made this weird noise I've never heard an animal make, but it was like a guttural, high-pitched, but guttural at the same time, cry. I've never, it was the most strange sound of, for an animal to make, and it broke my heart. I mean, he was just lying there, and he's shaking because he's in, like, he's, you know, he's sick, and he's, his body is kind of, I don't know, in shock or something. And they gave him medicine, but that didn't seem to make the pain go away. And I gently put my hand on that leg, very gentle. And as I did, I could hear him go, I said, I'm not going to hurt you, baby. If I was going to hurt you, believe me, I would have hurt you already. I'm not going to hurt you. I laid it ever so gentle on that leg. And I said, Father, I'm the head of this house. He is under my authority in this house. You wouldn't have said it to me if it didn't work for the animal. I've proven it on Quinn and Cole. I'm proving your word now on this animal. I command in Jesus' name this to be healed. I take the healing that Jesus provided and I even apply it to this animal. I receive it now by faith. I take it. It's mine. Now I call upon your manifesting power. Heal this dog. Now you see, you can say heal that way because I'm, I'm really saying manifest the healing. Do you understand? And I walked out of that room and I, I remember I turned back and he's still lying there. He couldn't even get into his little, little hut thingy that we have for him. He couldn't even get in because of the pain. He was just lying on a carpet. We had to cover him with a blanket. And he's standing and he's looking at me and he's, and, he, and he's still shaking. He's looking at me. And I said, you're going to be fine. I don't want to hear any whining from you. And I walked out. I never heard another whine for that whole night. I woke up the next morning and he met me at the stairs. <laughs> and he, ju- he jumped on me. God healed him. I don't know when God healed him, but he, was, he could not move the night before. And the next day he was running and jumping like he was the same dog before. And I, but I'm telling you, I took some, I laid hold of it in the realm of the spirit. I pulled healing that Jesus took on that cross for me. I it and I imparted it to that animal. Don't tell me you can't impart it to an animal. Now, I don't know about chipmunks and hamsters and all them people, all those. I don't know about if it works for them. No, it works for everything. If it can work for Jenny, it can work for Ollie, it can work for anybody. But the deal is you've got to take it. You don't beg. If I had prayed a good Pentecostal prayer, oh God, please heal my dog. I would have to put him down or do the surgery. But you see, faith works. I know I'm taking long and I really don't care because I'm not quitting until I'm done. So just settle in, order a Starbucks, Uber Eats can deliver it. Just. He said, I see it, sir. I see it. You're the, I'm the head of my house. I see it. But now listen, now here's, the, here's a very wise statement. Lord, what do I need to do? I see that I've got authority, but I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. You see, if you don't know what to do, you don't know what to do. He knew he had authority, but he didn't know what to do. So he said, and I quote, I want to obey you, but I need to know how. And God answered, oh, thank God for God. (laughs) If I could say that. God answered, and I'm quoting, you have never cursed the roots of those growths on your daughter's body in my name like I did the fig tree. 
If you will curse the roots of those growths on your daughter's body and you will curse them in my name, they will die and disappear. If you will believe and not doubt. They will die like the fig tree died when I cursed it. Now, son, you go back now, but don't doubt me. Believe me, son, don't doubt me, and you'll see the glory of God. And he starts to descend. His spirit leaves that place in heaven, and he's descending through a spiritual atmosphere, and earth is beneath him. And he said as he began to descend, he could hear God repeating those words, but it would get softer and softer as he descended away from heaven. And he heard the words, if you believe and not doubt, if you believe and not doubt, if you believe and not doubt, you'll see the glory of God. If you believe and not doubt, if you believe and not doubt, you'll see the glory of God. If you believe and not doubt, if you and then there's no sound. God's final impartation to him was, believe me, son, and don't doubt how do, you, how do you say, how do I believe him? You got to get the word in you because faith comes by the revelation of the word. He had been in the word. I'm telling you a story more than I'm reading you scriptures, but you understand what I'm saying. You've got to be in the word in order to have faith. If you don't have faith, you're going to doubt. God can't help you if you doubt. So he began to descend. And I, I, I have reverses, but I'm not going to for the sake of time. But obviously Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Luke chapter 4, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word, rhema word that proceeds. Him. Every day you need rhema word. Without rhema, you don't get faith. I've preached that many times. You know it. As he's ascending, now this is important. As he's descending and that voice is now gone, he can't hear the voice anymore. And he looks down and he's descending into earth's atmosphere. He said, I can feel the doubt in the atmosphere. He said, I had no trouble believing when I was in that realm. But he said, this realm is so filled with darkness, unbelief, and doubt. He said, it is such a demonic fleshly atmosphere that is constantly fighting against our faith. And he said, it was so easy to believe up there. But as I descended, I could feel the pressure of doubt trying to squeeze the life of God out of me. And we live in that atmosphere all the time. And he quoted 1 Timothy 6, 12, that we are told to fight the good fight of faith. In heaven, there's no fight of faith because there's no impurity. But on earth, there's full of a dark atmosphere constantly trying to get us out of the faith circle. And you have to fight to stay in it. Are you with me? He came back to his body. Time had been suspended. And he literally came back in his body. He was mid-step. He came back into his body and he stepped because he was in a trance. <laughs> and he opened his eyes and he came back into his natural body. And immediately, as soon as he took the step and he realized he was back in his house, he heard a voice from the outside. Immediately. See, the Bible says in Mark chapter 4, I believe it is, or 5, whatever, about the sower sows the word. The devil comes to steal the seed right away right away. But if your heart's good, it will get down into you and he can't steal it from you. But if your heart's hard and arrogant and proud and you think you know everything, you can't even get in you and the devil just comes and picks that revelation away. Immediately he heard a voice. You want to know what that voice said? He, he, uh, he heard a voice and as he said, it was a nice, sweet, kind voice. You learn a lot of stuff if you listen. The devil's not going to come out with his horns. You're going to know you're not stupid. 
And I, now I know it's you, Mr. Devil. But when it's nice, soft, and kind, you might think it's God. And the voice said this, don't go in there and pray for your daughter. Don't go in right now. Go later. Because she's in there with her boyfriend. Don't go and embarrass her. She's in there with her boyfriend. What was her boyfriend's name again? I have it here somewhere. I'll find it in a second. Don't go in there and pray for her. You'll embarrass her. Now, don't you love your daughter? You love your daughter, don't you? You don't want to embarrass somebody if you love them. This voice is talking to him like this. And Norville says this. I don't care about boy. He said it out loud, loud and strong. I don't care about boyfriends, and I don't care about embarrassing her. I'm go I don't care about nothing. I'm going in there right now, and I'm going to curse those groats like Jesus told me. And as he's walking to the den where she's there with Bobby, they're watching a movie. They're watching a movie while he's in heaven. He comes back, they're still watching the movie. He's going in there with all power. I'm talking about, you know, mess with Norval. And now the voice that was sweet and kind and gentle started becoming hysterical. So the devil will try real sweet. When you don't listen to him, he'll turn up the heat, my brother and sister. You better be able to take the heat or you got to get out of that kitchen. And the devil started pleading with him and begging him. She's in there with her boyfriend. Don't go in there. Please don't go in there. You'll embarrass her. Oh, please don't go in there. Oh, please don't go in there. Don't go in there. I'm telling you, don't go in there. I mean, it's pleading. And he's, he's hearing this and he's walking. The devil tried to stop you. Don't answer it. Please don't answer it. You're going to wake up your sleeping children. Don't answer that. No, don't say that here. No, no, people are going to think you're crazy. They're going to get the butterfly there. I know Pastor Craig said it, but don't do that. That's extreme. You don't have to yell. You just whisper. You don't have to really believe this. It's okay. You see, he'll try to talk to you. You better learn how to, you better know what the answer is before he talks to you. <laughs> and, Norville, <laughs> and Norville said he yelled. He's mad now. He knows it's the devil. He knows the devil's afraid. He said, his quote is, the devil is afraid of people who have the spirit of faith. And he is. And he charged in and he yelled, Zona! I mean, Zona! Jesus told me if I cursed those growths on your body, they would die and disappear. And her boyfriend, Bobby, he said, was sitting there goggle-eyed. I don't exactly know what goggle-eyed mean, but that's what he said. Goggle-eyed. And her, she, his daughter answered, Daddy, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You're embarrassing me in front of my boyfriend. And he said, I just got back from heaven. <laughs> God told me if I curse the roots of those growths in his name and will believe or not doubt, they'll die and they'll fall off. And he turned to Bobby and he said, do you believe that, Bobby? And he's yelling. And Bobby's answer was, yes, Mr. Norville Hayes, whatever you say, sir. <laughs> Whatever you say, Mr. Norval Hayes, whatever you say. And he said, well, that's what I say. And he stormed out. I mean, here they're watching a nice movie, and a crazy man walks in, says he's come from heaven, and if he curses growths, they'll die and disappear. What do you think about that, Bobby? Yes, Mr. Hayes, whatever you say. That's what I say. And he storms out. But that's the spirit of faith. And now you think, well, of course God's going to do it that day. No. No, you see, sometimes there's a fight to faith. Forty days, Reverend Sandra, and 40 nights passed. Hundreds of times a day, he said this confession. Father, I thank you for removing those gross from my daughter's body. I believe that I've received it by faith, what you did, and I praise you that your power is removing those gross from. Now he's praying right. 
He's not asking God to come to his house and heal his daughter. He's saying, I, re- I believe I've received what you provided. I'm the head of my house and I've taken authority. Now I need your power to come and make it true. And I thank you that your power is on the way. See, now that's faith. Now God can answer that prayer. But did you notice it still took Repton Taylor 40 days? Because there's a fight to this. And 40 nights, hundreds of, most people would quit even in that 40 days, even after they had that experience. He said hundreds of times, Blair, Father, I thank you for removing those growths from my daughter's body. I believe I received it by faith. And I curse them in your name. I use my authority in your name. And I've received my healing that Jesus provided. I know that your power is coming to manifest. Thank you for removing the growths from my daughter's body. I've received it by faith. I thank you that your power is on the way. Your power is coming to manifest my words. I received the healing. I've received the faith. And I've called those things now as be not as though they are. I thank you for the pure, clean skin. Thank you for removing the grocery. See, well, now he's in, he's in the fourth C. He's in celebrate. He's in number five, calling. He's in number six. He's not considering. He's not considering every day. He sees those 40 ugly, 42 things staring at him. He can't consider that. He casts that care over onto God and he just says, I call you. I call that skin whole. I, Lord, I curse them and they must die because I did it in your name. I've received my healing and I thank you. Your power makes it good. Thank you for removing the gross from my daughter's body. Thank you for removing the gross tenacity. 40 days and 40 nights he did that. He didn't quit. He would have gone forever. Because when you just come from heaven and God tells you to do something, you know it's going to happen. It don't care how long it takes. You know it's going to happen. You don't, my brother and sister, you don't have to go to heaven. You, you just come to church and you see it in the word of God yourself. You don't have to go to heaven to believe it's true. It works. It works because we know the Bible. We don't have to go to heaven. He went to heaven and it blesses us the story. But the Bible is what we go with. And we've been taught the Bible. He hadn't been taught the Bible. He had been taught wrong doctrine, and God had to take him to teach him right doctrine. But if he had just got a hold of that Hagen, he might have not gone to heaven, because that Hagen could have taught him right doctrine. You don't have to go to heaven if you've got a pastor that's teaching you right doctrine. And you've got an answer. You've got books on your case by Dad Hagen. Read one of them. You've got answers from the pulpit. Listen to the answers. And 40 days and 40 nights pass. And on the 41st day, she's in her room. She's taking the clothes from the spring season to the fall season out of her closet, putting them on her bed. And then because she's making room for her next stuff. You know how ladies do. Guys don't apparently have that problem, but ladies apparently have that problem. We wear the same clothes, summer, spring, winter, fall. But ladies apparently have these different things. I've never heard about that, but apparently it's true. And there's a long body length mirror on the inside of her closet door. And as she's passing, she just, she's not looking at herself. She's just peripheral. And he's been doing this for 40 days and 40 nights. And she takes one thing of clothes and she takes to her bed. And she has 42 bloody growths on her, blood, on her body. She places on the bed. She comes back, not thinking anything comes back to get the next thing. And as she's passing by in front of the mirror, she happens to glance and she sees that all 42 growths from the time, how many seconds was that? From the time you go past the mirror, drop it on the bed to come back is less than five seconds. And in five seconds, the power of God smote every one of those growths. And not only did he smite them, they dematerialized instantaneously. They were there and then they were gone. 
And when she saw, she screamed because it shocked her. And Norville is downstairs and hears the scream and says, Zona, and she hears, he hears footsteps because she's running to tell him. She's running to her door, but she miscalculated because she's so overwhelmed with what has happened that she ran right into the door frame. <laughs> Smashed her head right in the door frame and knocked herself out. He hears, ah! Boom! Zona! No answer. Zona! No answer. So he starts running. He doesn't know what's happened. She's only out for a few seconds. She comes to, she's bloodied. She comes to, makes it through the door this time. Daddy! Daddy! Look at me, Daddy! Daddy, look at me! Daddy! And she's saying, Daddy, this is scary. Daddy, this is spooky. Daddy, this is scary. Look at Daddy. And she's pulling her, and she's looking, and he's touching her skin. And there's no, there's no growths. There's no growths. Daddy, what's happening to me? Daddy, what's happening to me? And he starts to cry. Jesus has manifested what I've been calling for 40 days and for 40 nights. I prayed for five years and six weeks and nothing happened because I was praying wrong. But when God told me about my authority, that I'm the head of my house. And what I say in my house goes, not just because of I'm, I'm, I'm a vibrato male, I'm an alpha male, but because I've been given divine supernatural authority by God over what I own. That Jesus bore it and I have a right to take it. And if I say it will be, it will be. Hallelujah. I've learned something, Zona. And it took 40 days, but the power of God met us. And he said her skin was like baby's skin. Oh, my God. You have to get this in your heart. Jesus took it. Don't ask him for something that he already did. Receive what he did. By faith, because you won't feel it and you won't see it. Just do it by faith. And then keep praising him because now that you've done the reception part, now his power has the right to come and manifest it in the natural realm. He's waiting for you to receive it. Any Christian out there that has a need, he's not moved by the need. They're asking, Lord, come and give it to me. And he's thinking, I can't, I can't. You're asking wrong. I can't. But as soon as he hears faith, without faith, you can't please him. As soon as he hears faith, I believe I receive I take it, Lord. I take it now. I don't feel it, but I take it. He goes, ha, ha, faith. God always meets the the one who receives. You must receive it by faith. Then his power will strike and cause it to show up. It works with money. It works against demons. It works against growths. It works against cancers. It works against glass in your hip sockets. It works. It works. It works works but you got to pray right don't ask him receive it from him he can only power Reverend Sandra meets people that have received not people that are asking are you listening you might want to write that down the power of God will meet you at the place of your receiving not at the place of your asking you can't ask he's already done it but you can receive what he's offered you then his power will meet you And not only that, but understand that you've got great authority in this realm, that you're the head of your house. That what you you say goes. Why? If you're believing for healing, 
I'm in the mode to receive. I've received that healing for my dog. I've received it. You see, now God can meet me because he meets me because of my receiving, not because of my asking. But with my faith goes my authority. Because Jesus said the centurion had great faith, but he was talking about authority. And Jesus, when he said, have the God kind of faith, Mark 11, 22 and 23, then in the next verse talked about authority. If you will say to this mountain, I command you to go. And what's that? Authority. And believe in your heart and don't doubt, but believe that what you say will come to pass. You'll have whatever you say. See, faith is authority and authority is faith. So when you're receiving your thing by faith, Lord, I'm in the receiving mode. I receive this healing. I receive it. I don't have to ask you for it. I receive it. Now your power manifests. As you're receiving, that's the receiving part, but then go into the commanding prayer. Then go into the authoritative prayer. You don't use your authority with God. You use your authority with the sickness and with the devil, but you do the receiving from God. Lord, I receive it. See, now you can answer because you're in a receiving mode, not an asking mode. But then switch from this receiving, this intake, I call it a faith, and give an outtake of faith. Say, Lord, I receive now, and now I command. I command you, sickness, go. I command you, growths, die. I said to that dog, I said, I commend those muscles. Because they told me what was wrong. They showed me on the x-ray. The muscle was off its socket. And so bone against bone was rubbing. And it's incredibly painful. Because the muscles were elongated wrongfully. And you can't fix it. They have to cut the muscle by surgery and reattach them. Muscles don't shrink on their own, but God can make them shrink. And I said, I command you muscle shorten in Jesus' name. And God did it. <laughs> and when Cole ripped his toe and I could see the bones and two, two towels covered soaked with blood. And little Quinny, six years old, seven years old, oh God, do send your power, heal my brother. Oh God, send your power. We believe it. I can't remember exactly what he was saying. Oh God, send your power. And I laid my hands very gently because he's so in pain. I can, see the, I can see the inside of his foot. I can see the bones. That's how badly he ripped his toe open. I said, now, Father, I, I'm teaching you something. Yes. Father, I receive. I didn't ask him to heal my son. I said, I receive that Jesus paid for this at the cross. Because I'm in a receiving mode. Now your power can meet me. I'm not in an asking mode. I'm in a receiving mode. Do you understand? But then I went from the receiving side of intake of faith, and I went to the outflow of faith, which is Mark 11. See, Mark 11, 24 is the intake. I believe I receive. But Mark eleven twenty three is the outflow. It's the power. Once you say, commend it, because you're the head of your house. Things will obey you. And I looked at that toe and I said, I command you to seal. But I said it under the anointing with faith. Yes. See, I received my healing. Now God's power can manifest. But the receiving works with the commanding. Yes. I received it gently from God because I don't yell at God. I receive it respectfully. But then I get, then I, my, my, my faith rage is focused on that problem. Whether it's a skin problem, whether it's a sickness, whether it's a viral uh, microbiotic thing, whether it's a demon, whatever it is. Jesus said you can do that to a mountain, an inanimate object. He said you can do it to a sycamine tree. You can do it to anything that you can, you can do it. Whether you see it or not, even if it's microscopic, it will obey you. And I'm, I'm funneling this holy rage what I tell you to do you will do it's not just emotionalism it's faith it's commanding faith I've received now I command see Jesus had to teach him that you have to receive but then he said now if you curse those gross they'll die 
Do you understand? And I commanded it to seal. And the next day, God gave me amnesia. I'm telling you because I was so scared. But the next day, I couldn't, I didn't remember. I, said, I remembered as I walked up the house, I felt like such a bad father. Oh, my God, I forgot. How could I forget? How could I forget? Jenny, where is he? Where is he? He's up in the bath. And I said, what kind of a mother are you? How could you let him be in water? I mean, I got mad at her. I ran up those steps. Call! Because, I mean, I know what I saw. What are you doing in the water? Get out. And I grabbed his left foot, his right foot. And I looked, and there's nothing. And I grabbed his left foot. And I said, and there's nothing. And I looked up to make sure it was cold, not Quinn, because they're in the bath together. I said, what happened? Cold. I looked at his foot. I, I, I've never been in such shock. Not only was it healed, there wasn't even a scar. I could see his bones the night before. There wasn't even a scar. And lastly, when that, when that flesh-eating demon tried to come on my son and his face started turning black, I mean black like the color black from his, from his lip line down his neck, I mean black, pure black, not red, not purple, black, dark black. You understand what I'm saying? And I, he walked in and he said, Mommy, Mommy, something's wrong. And we looked and his whole skin was black. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, Step back, son. <laughs> when God says step back, he means step back. Because Superman's about to enter the house. And I remember I was at the counter. He's there. Jenny's by the, wash the dishes. And I stepped back against the counter. I didn't know why God said it, but I obeyed him. And Jenny turned like a vicious bulldog. And she saw the thing. I mean, she cleared from there to him in one step. I don't know how. It's like where you're standing, and that's where the Pope is standing. She did that in one step. I don't know. She, she flew. She grabbed him, grabbed him, but it was under the anointing. Grabbed him. Now you see, she always is receiving. But the anointing was on her to commend. Because she is still the head of her house. Don't get gender roles mixed up. Anybody in faith is the head of your house. Don't matter your gender. Anybody in faith is the head of your house. And she grabbed him by the, she grabbed, I mean, she was rough. She grabbed him by the face and she started, I remember, it reminded me of Dad Dufresne because Dad Dufresne would shake people like that lady that growled at me and I yelled and he grabbed her by the head. I mean, he's rough, man. You would be shocked how rough he was. He grabbed her by the side of the face. I said, can I? I mean, she could have broken her neck. I mean, he was that hard. But under the anointing, God not messing, playing games and that devil came out of her. She grabbed him, grabbed him by the neck, by the chin, and said, I curse you from your root. I curse you. But the anointing was on her. She's the head of her house. That thing does not have a right to come into our house. But how dare it, it tried. And we took care of it. And the next day it was half gone, and the second day it was gone. And we went to the doctor and he said, this is not medically possible. He said, you must have hallucinated. I said, I don't hallucinate, doctor. He said, the only thing that can make skin turn black is flesh-eating disease. And he said, there is no medical cure. And he said, if it gets on you, you have to amputate the part that is diseased because it will spread and kill you. That's why it gets on your fingers. It gets through cuts. It's usually extremities. If you get it, your skin turns pure black. If they don't cut it off, it will grow and you'll die. He said, if it gets to the neck, 
without amputating the, the, or the, the part of the body that it has, it's 100% fatal every time because it, when it hits the neck, it goes to the brain and you're done. And you can't amputate the neck. He said, you must have missed, maybe he sucked on a cup. That's what he said to me. You know when you suck on a cup and you're, you're like a little hickey there? I said, are you stupid, doctor? I know what a hickey looks like. I've got a few in my life from my wife, not anybody else. I said, I know what broken blood vessels look like. I said, this no broken blood vessel. His skin turned the color black. He said, that's not possible. That's flesh-eating disease. I said, well, how could that come? We, it wasn't on his extremities. How could you? You're telling me it's an extremity. He said, it can also enter the ear canal. It's extremely rare. But if it enters the ear canal, it will cause from the ear canal downward and start to go upward. Your skin turns pure black within hours you die. He said it has happened. He said it's medically possible. He said I've heard cases of it, but I've never encountered anybody that has that has, that has happened to. He said if it enters the ear canal from the ear canal line, that's exactly where it was. You take the ear canal line like this to his lip and everything was pure black, like midnight black. He said, it's possible and it's 100% fatal. You must have hallucinated. I looked at him. I don't argue with the doctor. I said, I know what I saw, doctor. And I said, I know what I did. He said, it's impossible. He'd be dead. I said, you don't know what I know. Amen. And that's all I, le I left it at that because he knows I'm crazy anyway. No, I've had the same doctor all my life. And I teach him about mission trips and about healings. And he's a Jew and he doesn't believe in any of that. So he really thinks I'm nuts. So I don't even argue with him. I just said, I, I know things that you don't know. He said, I'm not even writing it in this chart. I said, you're not going to write it down? He said, because you're lying to me. I don't write down things that are not true. I said, doctor, hand on the Bible. I'm not lying to you. He still to this day will not put it in the chart. Because he thinks I'm lying to him because it's impossible medically. I know what I saw. My son would have been dead by morning. And all night I slept like a baby. But all night long, the devil was against my wife. Why? Because he you know when he came on her. All night long, he said, go check on him. He's dead. Go check on him. He's dead. You better go check on him. He's dead. And she'd answer all night long. I, I, I curse you in Jesus' name. You're a liar. He will not die. I curse that from its root. And it's dying tonight. When I wake up tomorrow, he'll be fine. She said it took every ounce of faith not to check on him. And when she woke up in the morning, she wanted to so badly go in that room. And the Holy Ghost said, daughter, if you are in faith, you'll go down and get a cup of coffee. So she trotted off to get her a cup of coffee. And we let him wake up on his own. And he trotted downstairs and it was from pure black to gray. And the next morning, his skin was normal. I'm telling you. But if we had not cursed that from its root, he would, we would have buried that boy. You see, the devil is after preacher's kids as, as well as every other kid. But he wants to cause grief to preachers to, to put a stain on our message. I'm telling you. So everybody will say, yeah, you're a faith preacher. You couldn't even keep your own son alive. I'm not, I'm not judging people that have lost their kids, but I'm telling you, the devil's after, especially preachers, because that's why you need to pray for my kids. He's after them more because he wants to bring a, a, a reproach to the name of the preacher who's the father and the mother. I'm telling you, you're the head of your house. I'm trying to get it over to you. You're the head of your house. What you say goes. Not because of some carnal vibrato what you say because jesus has said i give you all authority in heaven and on earth whatsoever you say in my name i will do it for you hallelujah, hallelujah. i'm the head of my house willie hallelujah. i'm the head of my house hallelujah. glory to god hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah. 
Praise God. We're done. Close your Bible. But I'll tell you one more little story that's about that dog again. We're out there at the farm and he's running wild. I don't know where he is, but he's loving not being on a leash. I pack up the car. I have to come. It's a Wednesday afternoon. I've been praying. I have to come to church. Ollie! Ollie! Then I'm getting mad. Ollie, I said, you stupid dog, get over here. And then I'm, Ollie, come on. I mean, I'm trying the hard approach, the good cop, the bad cop, and the every other kind of cop. That dog ain't coming. I'm, Lord, Lord there's animals out here. They'll kill it. What do I, what do, I do with that dog? I said, I heard the Holy Ghost say, you're the head of your house. But Lord, this is not healing. He's gone. What do you mean by that? I'm trying to teach you something. Even in that, I'm the head of my house. In other words, any need you face, son, you're the boss. The need you have right now is that critter's gone. So what do you need? You need to find him. Why don't you claim it? I said, Father, I'm the head of my house. That dog is in my house. I have a right to his protection. If I leave, he'll be a Stouffer's Meals for Wolves. I need that dog. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm not going to be late for church. I don't know how you're going to do it. But I, I remember I stood there in the grass and I said, I believe I receive right now by faith. I'm the head of my house. I command that dog to come. I'm the head of my house. I believe it. I believe I receive right now from you, Father, the answer to my prayer. See, receiving and commanding. Receiving and commanding. You've got to receive and you've got to command. And then I closed my eyes and said, Lord, I don't hear a bark. I don't know what's going on, but I got to go. What do I do? And I heard the Holy Ghost say, <laughs> I heard him say, open your eyes. I opened my eyes. I'm looking. I don't see nothing. He said, put your hand out. He said, turn your hand to the right and stop when I tell you to stop. And I'm doing this and I heard him say, stop. I'm telling you the truth. And he said, he's there. I didn't see nothing. So I walked in the direction that I pointed through this long, tall grass, four feet, three feet high grass. I kept walking. And then in the distance, I saw a little speck of white. I'm not making it up. I went, I found it. He was, you couldn't see him because he's in the grass. These dogs, these French bulldogs, I don't want to be mean, but they're ugly. They're, they're snout. But because of their snout, they don't have proper breathing. They can't breathe properly because it's well smashed up. Well, I mean, if you had a smashed up face, you wouldn't be able to breathe either. either. And the dog, the guy told me, the vet, when they got the dog, he said, make sure he doesn't get in hot, hot weather and make sure you give him a lot of water because they, they have heat stroke twice as quickly as any other breed. And that was a hot summer's day. And I had water out, but the stupid dog didn't want to drink the water. He just wanted to run around. He had heat stroke and he had collapsed in the grass. He couldn't walk. He couldn't bark. He was dying, literally dying. And I walked up there. He couldn't move. He was lying there and he was like frozen. And the only thing moving was his little stubby tail like this. It was doing like this. Not even fast. Just like that's all he could communicate. Daddy, I know it's you. Help me. I walked up on him. God told me he's there. I'm the head of my house, Lorraine. I have a right to know where the dog is. Now, if I hadn't received it and then say, I command that dog to come, I, that probably wouldn't have happened. But because I used my faith, God in a very short period of time, a matter of seconds, showed me exactly where I was. I walked, and I, I mean, I, I almost started crying. It was such a sad sight. 
I picked him up. I said, I got you. I got you. I got you. I put him on my chest. And just because he always licks me, that's how he kisses me. And I had him right here and I'm walking with him. And he was so weak. He just, he couldn't even have this. He hardly, didn't even have this. But I just felt this little half a lick. Just like, it's like he went, like he just, he was trying to let me know. Thank you. I took him in there. I poured water over him. I made him drink like two liters of water. I put him in the air conditioning. I'm babying him. And he's just looking at me. And halfway home, because it was a long drive back then. Now I only live five minutes away from that farm. But then I was 45 minutes away. And halfway home, he started coming. I'm the head of my house, Taylor. What I say in my house goes. Some of you, you need to get this revelation. Stop letting the devil walk over you. Stop letting sickness walk over you. Stop letting this little sickness and disease that you've been dealing with it. It's not life-threatening, but you've just been putting up with it. Putting up with it. I'm just putting up with it. Oh, Lord, I'm just putting... Don't stop, stop putting up with it. You have a right to speak to that thing and command it in Jesus' name, and it will obey you. Receive your healing and command the thing, and it will obey you. You're the head of your house. What you say goes. Don't tell me there's demons in your house. You're the head of your house. They will obey your voice. You must believe that when you say, I command you, go, that they obey you. And if you don't believe it, then you get in the word and you read the word and you, 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 you just devour, devour, devour the word until faith rises up. And then you say, go, and they will go. Hallelujah. We're not wimps in this church. We're the head of our house. Now, whether you realize it or not, you've got to treat. Whether you realize it or not, you may say it's on a treat, it's late. I don't care how late it is, you got a treat. Because you're the head of your house, Blair. God expects you to do this message. You hear me? Well, he expects you to do this message. I didn't preach to you so that you can just say, oh, that's nice. He expects you to do the message. What are we learning? Receive. And what are we learning? Command. And it will obey you. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for that wonderful anointing. I thank you for that assignment. I know they've heard it, Father. Maybe you'll have me preach it again just to bug them. I don't know. Maybe they haven't heard it enough. I don't know. But I know what you said to me today. An anointing came into me when he laid hands on me. Because that anointing was for this message for me to preach it under that anointing. That spe- not just a sermon, but to preach it under an anointing. And Lord, I believe that it's for the nations. I don't believe it's just for this church. I believe it's being preached in this church to help me get skillful with that anointing. But I believe with all my heart that you desire this truth to go to the nations of the world. That they don't have to be afraid anymore of demons. They don't have to be afraid of witchcraft. They don't have to be afraid of sickness. They don't have to be afraid of problems and calamity if they can understand faith and that they have been given God-given authority as the head of their house, what they say goes. The power of God will manifest what they say because they're saying it in faith. Lord, I believe this message is for many parts of the world, and I believe you're helping me get skillful with it with my congregation first. Hallelujah. I know the devil hates this message. He abhors this message because this message puts the people in a place with God where they can get their prayers answered. And he don't want it. He want them to stumble around in darkness for five more years, praying good, dead, Pentecostal-type prayers. He don't want the truth to come to them. But Lord, I thank you for truth that has come tonight. 
Now, I won't say the name. I don't want to embarrass, but that lady that, I, that, that Lorraine called, that he wasn't to come tonight, she wasn't scheduled, and the Holy Ghost said to me in prayer, have her come. Lady, you know who you are. You know, I know where you're sitting, but I won't point you out. You know who you are. Now, the Holy Ghost had you come because there's an impartation for you in this service. Because what you've been going through in your house displeases the Holy Ghost. You have been harassed by devils and it displeases the Holy Ghost that his daughter is being the punching bag of demon spirits. So everybody, I want you to lift your hands where you are so that lady is not conspicuous. Now, Father, I'm asking this for every person that is receiving it because of a heart of faith, but especially I'm asking for that lady that you you specified to come tonight because you see what she's going through in her home. And Lord, you are displeased that she has been the punching bag of the devil. And you want her to rise up in righteous might. And you want her to receive divine impartation tonight. Not necessarily by the laying on of hands, but by the preached word of God. I long to see you, Paul said, that I may impart unto you a gift to the end that you may be established. Now, Father, I claim Romans 1.11 for that lady. And I thank you that as I've been preaching, the anointing has been coming on her. And right now as she lifts her hands, I say, the anointing come on you from the crown of your head right down to your toes. I say impartation go into you now. I say it go into you now. I say I impart to you to the end that you may be established, lady. I say what is lacking in your faith is made up tonight. According to 1 Thessalonians 3, I say it's made up tonight. I say you go home. I say you go home. I say by the Spirit, go home and take charge. Walk in your door and draw a line and say nothing crosses the blood tonight. I apply it by faith. I call upon its power. I plead its power over my family, over my body, over my bedroom, and over my property. I'm the head of my house. What I say goes. And I say, devil, you're not coming back in here. In Jesus' name, I receive my freedom. Lady, there's an impartation for you tonight. My God, that anointing is so thick, it's so strong on me. I wish I could lay my hands on you, but I impart it in Jesus' name. Because God knows the limitations that we have right now. And he'll honor it in Jesus' name. Every one of you that you want this, that you need something, you're facing something. Father, every one of them, I stretch my hands toward them. And I say in the name of Jesus, Lord, they may not all be hungry, but every hungry heart, every heart that calls for it, every heart that longs for it, every heart that is reverent about it. I say in Jesus' name, I impart strength to you. Revelation knowledge from the preached word and the anointing right now. Let it go into their top of their head and right down to their toes, Father. Let them leave this church building filled with power. They may not have gone to heaven, but they've come to church and that's close enough. Let them leave with power, Father, throbbing in their heart, throbbing in their hands, throbbing in their eyes, throbbing in their eyelids, throbbing in their nails, throbbing in every section and part of their body. Let them go home and let them take authority. Let them receive by faith and let them bind and loose. Let them take authority. Let them actually act like they're the head of their house. Let them stop putting up with nonsense and sickness and demons and darkness. Let them command it and it will obey them. In Jesus' mighty name, it will obey them. It will obey them. It will obey them. It will obey them. In Jesus' name. 
If it obeyed me with Quinn, it will obey them. If it obeyed me with Cole, it will obey them. If it obeyed Jenny with her breast, it will obey them. If it obeyed Norval with the growths, it will obey them. We are no different, Father. We don't have to go to heaven. We're not, we don't have to be a special case. We believe your word, and your word is enough for us. These experiences like Norval has had strengthen us and help us, but Lord, it was in your word to begin with, and we believe your word. And it will, it will work for us tonight. It will work for us. In the name of, I see somebody's daughter. Lord, I don't know who that is, a young child. Maybe you're watching, maybe you're here, but there's a young daughter that is sick. I don't know what the ailment is, but I see a young girl that's not well. And, I, and the mama, mama, whoever you are, I, I, I say to you, spiritual daughter, go into that room. Lay your hands on that child and command the sickness to leave her. And receive by faith her glorious healing. And you'll see the power of God will meet you. In Jesus' name. I see that in the spirit. Seven or eight year old girl. It might not exactly be that age. But about that age. Lying in a bed sick. I don't know. I don't know where the daddy is. But I see the mama coming in and taking care of business. Mama, take care of business. In Jesus' name. You'll see that girl get up. The devil's afraid of this kind of preaching. He wants wishy-washy, seeker-sensitive, don't offend anybody, don't yell. Just tell him to feel good. Just tell him God will do it if he's in the mood. No, that's not Bible. That's not what we preach here. We want the truth. I want the truth. I want what works. I want what raises the dead. I want what heals flesh-eating disease. I want what curses. I want what eliminates 42 growths. That's what I want. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want what heals animals. Glory to God and finds them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. In Jesus' name. If your heart was hungry tonight, I'm telling you, you'll leave filled. I, I guarantee it because God is here. Praise God. Hallelujah. And you know, Kim, two years later, that same sickness came back on that dog. That same crying, that same wailing, that same heartbrokenness. And I said, God, what did I do? He didn't answer me. He said, are you the head of your house? I said, yes, sir. He said, do it again. He didn't tell me why it came back, but I spoke to that thing. And within 24 hours, it was gone. And he was running around like a puppy. Things will obey you. Don't think it's because I'm a special pastor or have an office. It obeys Christians. You don't need to be in an office. You need to be a Christian. Hallelujah.